Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villarosa, OVS. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. If you're looking for an apology, I'm happy to give you a map. <laughs> Just like Tamara Judge, I'm going to beg to continue to be on this show for the rest of my life. <laughs> you guys, oh my God, a classic. <laughs> Sorry, Tamara. Oh, don't, don't tell Tamara. Don't tell Tamara. Oh my God, don't tell Tamara. Can we please, I need to get your thoughts on Tamara and Teddy Joe. We, we're going to jump in, guys. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's 295. <laughs> I'm so excited. What am I We're just coasting <laughs> until 300. This is, this is going to be real loose over the next five episodes. As opposed to the last 294. I'm so excited <laughs> to be joined by one of my favorite people, favorite Bravo-holics. You know him as the host of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Welcome back to Andy's Girls. Woo! Guess who it is? Ryan <laughs> I still, I still remember when I was nervous to talk to you. Like I was like, I, re, I, I told this story before. I you remember hiking, one. hiking on Runyon, and I would like, I asked you in a DM that you didn't look at for like days to be on the <laughs> podcast, and I remember you finally answered it while I was hiking when I used to exercise, and I was uh. like, oh, and you, and you kind of still were like tentative. You were like. Hello, good to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> I get well. We'll talk about why that is. I get a little. I get a little. I I always used to come from a place of yes, and now I come from a place of like side eye. I'm not quite sure yet. So um, there we are. But listen, first off, you look. I have to tell. I already told you off off recording whatever the fuck it's called we're professionals here you look very dashing tonight i just need to let the ags know you're very quaffed <laughs> i just literally walked eight miles i look like fucking death and ryan bailey stumbles into the zoom wait wait to be fair i'm like in my bedroom TV star. i'm in my bedroom and i showered like that's like i don't usually shower and i'm I mean, wearing i'm wearing pants right now for the third day wow. in a row and it's it's not the lifestyle that i want for myself i think I mean, I have to say a shower in pants is like COVID black tie. So kudos to you. That's incredible. That's incredible. Oh, I just like now I'm just like, I do have my nicer basketball shorts that I wear when I want to impress somebody. <laughs> Wait a second. Basketball shorts are nicer than pants. Wouldn't that be the opposite? No, no, are you no, no, no. I'm saying, no, no, What's no. Happening? I mean, by the way, style icon for me, like it was like show, to show that you could. <laughs> well, no, not. I mean, just the sense that he's like not comfortable he doesn't mind looking like me, you know, well, like, no, but I'm saying, I don't, I mean, COVID got it to a point where you did have your nice basketball shorts. You're like, I'll put right. on the nice ones tonight because a friend is going to let me use zoom, watch a TV show with mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. I don't, 
get an Adam Sandler vibe from you at all. You well, you right now is like a dip. I I can send you literally picture after picture where you would be like, I totally get it. I totally. In fact, I threw away some basketball shorts that were like I think twenty two years old the other day, and it was like sad. There was like an emotional. I set I set them on fire like a a Viking funeral and and just threw them into the garbage can. Um, shout out to whoever made those shorts. How do shorts last two decades? They're shorts. They're not. They're not meant. They're here for a good time, not a long time. I'd like to say I care for things, but I don't. And <laughs> I, it's, I don't listen, Sarah. I literally the other day I found Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero boxer shorts, and I was like, oh my god, I bought those when the show. And I'm not talking about the reboot. No, when the, the show the came OG. out, and they were no holes. And I was like, how cool! I was like, oh my god, these got to be like ten years old. They were like 20 plus years old. I had to, like, I was like, I guess this isn't like, this is like a health violation at this point. I mean, I do have some stilettos that have been through quite a ruckus. I was a Guinness girl once for a single night. It was St. Patrick's Day. Okay, so the the rumors are true. The rumors are true. I absolutely don't know a thing about alcohol. And they gave me the responsibility of being like, here's alcohol. And I was so bad. I just literally was like, so where are you from? How are you? (laughs) I couldn't talk about anything. But I wore wore Manolo's. Booze, am I right? <laughs> and they had three. I was just talking about this. With someone. They had three different kinds of alcohol. I mean, I guess beer or whatever. There was like Guinness and then two other kinds. And for the life of me, I cannot recall. This came up in conversation the other day. I couldn't tell you. And we had training. Like technically, I we had to go to the thing with the place, with the stuff and sit in a room and talk to us about beer, and then you have to do with the tray and like the. Uh, well, Be- was, Bethany Frankel, watch out! Sarah's on your oh tail. My God. Yeah, it's more Bethany Bakes than Skinny Girl. I gotta tell you, I'm like alone <laughs> in that supermarket, wondering what happened. Um, <laughs> listen, <laughs> I basically just choked on one. <laughs> Sorry, for the, I just for the very <laughs> first time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He's down. He's down. It's loose. It's loose. Replacement co-host. <laughs> David um, Bellino, we need you now. Um. So listen, how how is life? How is LA? How is how is the wonderful world of uh, Bravo on the West Coast? Well, it airs at a different time for wow. Bravo, so I don't oh, know if wow. that's yeah, that's a big thing. That is a big uh, thing. That is a big uh, thing. No, LA is weird right now. It's like we're at that time. In fact, I don't know if you saw those stories last week about Tom Tom. Like every celebrity known to man was at Tom yes. Tom last Saturday. Like the cast of Euphoria. Like all of the all like Robert I, I, Pattinson. Yeah, Robert Pattinson was there for thirty minutes supposedly with the mask on, which is like great. That's what you want from your Batman. But like he like, and I was like, wait a sec. Is Tom Tom like, like I always treat it like Planet Hollywood. Like it's like you know, yay. Yeah. But like I was like, oh my god, are we at a place where celebrities are hanging out all together in a place again? Like, are we are we on the other side of the COVID hump where we still like celebrities are hanging out proudly together? And it's at Tom Tom of all places. Right. That's the it's the latter point where I'm really stumbling. Like, did Tom? I I'm so into it for them, but like, did Tom Tom get cool? Is it cool? I think, well, by the way, I've always thought it was cool, but I'm not cool. So, like, that cancels each other out. But I will tell you this. What cracked me up was that then it was like, there must have been some kind of Vanderpump Rules email that went out immediately once the first cast member of Euphoria hit. Because it was like, (laughs) Lala, Stassi, Bo. They, like, ran there. They were like, we got to get over there. Like, like, they were, like, huffing, like, trying to get into the door. Like, you know. I, I'm sure Jax probably didn't get over there in time, but oh I just cracked me up that they like they ran, and it reminded me, Sarah. I've never t- is that I was there at Tom Tom the first year it opened. I was there the night Miley Cyrus was there, <gasps> and I was sat next to the table with me and my buddy Jay, and we sat right next to Lisa Vanderpump in the back room, and Miley Cyrus was there with a table of her like dancers or something. And it was a Friday night. The place was packed when it first opened. And she was like smoking out of a vape. And I remember she was like, yeah, get DJ James Kennedy on the FaceTime. And like they called DJ James Kennedy. Tom Sandoval came in and he started breakdancing. Like I'm not joking. He started body popping. And then Lisa Vanderpump got on the table with Miley Cyrus and dance. And I have this all on video, by the way. 
uh, I think I have it somewhere on my Instagram and they had their dogs there. I was like, this is, this can't be healthy. And it was so <laughs> crazy. I was like, this is out. Of, like, it was so funny watching Sandoval come in. Cause, and he just started popping and locking. Like, it was like, he just walks in, like always ready to pop and lock. I, I literally don't know. I, it's, there's so much there. I don't, it, it's. It's the celebrity standum of Bravo stuff that I love and I cherish and I adore. But also sometimes I'm like, wait, this is our thing. Like, <laughs> what's happening? It here? is our thing. So it's it's hard when you it's hard when a celebrity likes it and then they have the wrong Bravo opinion. Like there was you know what I'm saying? Like they'll have like they'll be like uh, free Jen Shaw. And I'll be like, wait, 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 let's slow it down. Like, you know, my grandma was taken in by that. That's not, you know, and that's sometimes weird i don't know if you've ever noticed when like celebrities will be like i love it but then they'll have the 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 incorrect opinions yeah i mean i think megan mccain and erica is a tough that's a tough look the like riding hard for erica at the worst moment i was like do we really need this right now is this but it it is nice to also have someone who has a difference of opinion like it's like celebrities are just like us often they're also incorrect so there's something to be said for that but isn't it funny us as a culture we think celeb like you know from a young kid young tyke you're taught that celebrities know more than you and then you turn out you're like oh my god they're even bigger idiots than i am i mean the same with our politicians but mm. Uh, you, but it's it's funny. Uh, by the way, Megan McCain is hysterical because she followed me, unfollowed <gasps> me, and then followed me again. On Instagram, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Instagram. Wow, I think wow. probably because of the air. I, I there was a time when I was really going hard on Erica Jane. Yeah. Yeah. And so she didn't love that so much. I, I'm, ga I'm guessing <laughs> she's she's back, baby. Megan, if you're listening, Megan, um, go on, <laughs> go on Ryan's show. And talk about <laughs> Beverly Hills. I would. I wonder what Megan McCain thinks of Lisa Rinna. Do we know? I don't know that she's ever spoken publicly about that. I would be curious to know. I, I personally took it hard when I saw Gary Janetti and Brad mm. at dinner with Rinna last yeah, week. I took tough. that hard. Like, I was like, I was like, you can't give Lisa this license of like, I'm, you know, like, whether people think Lisa's cool or not, you know, whatever. But like, I don't know. That one hurt me for some reason. I really respect Gary Janetti. When it comes to Housewives triggers, is there another trip? We know about Jax. We know about Rinna. Is there someone that people, AGs, might be potentially surprised to hear is like a <laughs> no man's land for you where you just hear about them, you see them, and you're just immediately uh, scarred for life? Well, I mean, I'm going to be scarred for life no matter what happens at this Wonderful. point. But, Perfect. you know, I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if you watch it, but uh, Noella on Real Housewives of OC, she's a first season housewife. Do I watch it? I just want to make sure I, I incorrectly assume people watch all of the shows on Bravo and then yeah. it's like, but then people like say, oh, OC's not worth it. I'm enjoying OC. I like, love I, OC this season. It's it's medi it's meditative for me. It's like I really, but but Noella is doing something that I got like people really came at me on Twitter for this, but I said she's like Frankenstein. She's taken body parts of all of these different housewives, and this is what happens when you have a show that's been on for 16 years. Mm -hmm. She admits she's watched every season, mm -hmm. so she's taken a bit here, taken a bit there, and she's creating this Frankenstein performance. And people thought I was calling her that she looked like Frankenstein. I was like, no, like people want to assume the worst possible thing of like, I don't think it's okay for you to compare her to a monster. I'm like, no, Frankenstein's monster was cobbled together by the parts of all of these people. And I feel like she's a housewife on steroids. And it's like your first season, you're trying to get at Heather Dubrow, which I appreciate you're a foil for, mm -hmm. but at the same time, slow it down. Like you're the things that you're getting upset at Heather for don't even hold water. So it makes you in the end look stupid when, and the other thing too is everybody, if you say something negative about a housewife, they immediately think you're calling for their firing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yo, no, I, by the way, I want Rena on for the rest of my life. Like <laughs> I like getting upset. I like having something to rail against. Mm -hmm. I don't want any housewife fired, nor do they give a rip what any of us think mm -hmm. uh, on Twitter. But you know what I'm saying? Like Noella just some reason is throwing it all at, throwing it all there and it just still seems kind of hollow to me mm -hmm. it still seems i can't still get a beat on her personality because she's like the thing in the oc her voice even is like very like settle on a voice settle on a mood i get you like to stack your ladies in pancake formats um if you're watching and by the way you have dr jen on the other hand who's not really 
you know, performed like Noella has. But this girl has a cement leg, which is amazing. Uh, she has a cement leg. And finally, we're starting to get into the in- intricacies of her uh, as a housewife, the this issue with Ryan, we all were going against Ryan. And then we see uh, two weeks ago the episode where she got hammered and embarrassed Ryan completely. And you saw a bunch of rich people laughing at them, which is that how that's how I view any like rich people are always laughing at me. But you know what I'm saying? We finally got to see Dr. Jen is that, oh, wow, there's there is something interesting here, I think. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that way at all? I mean, the dinner scene, I... I, I think a lot of people found it cringe. I actually honestly found it because I, I'm not invested in Dr. Jen or her marriage. So I was able to watch it and be like, this is like kind of interesting, almost enjoyable in the sense that it's absolutely chaotic and you know that Heather Dubrow is losing her fucking mind. So in that sense, I actually thought it was like it was nowhere near like a naked wasted situation, which we look through a different lens now than we did then or m- than most of us myself included did then but um with you know noella it's interesting because housewives is such a machine and people look at it and they see fame and celebrity and potentially dollar signs and maybe escape from marriages or whatever else new beginnings but because it's established and been around so long and a juggernaut it's like how could people not study this how could they yes, not yes. like the Jen Shaw's yes. of the world? Like, how could they not study this? But then my question to you is like, how do they still find unique, connected, natural, wackadoo people who are still in their little bubbles real when so many others, including the Noellas of the world, have studied it and tried to adopt it or maybe co-opt it, tweak it? but do so in a way where it does feel like it's formulaic in, in personality and tone. I know you come from an acting background as well. And I think, and I know this sounds silly, but I think it really all, it, it hinges on casting. It hinges on mm. casting directors and producers that care so much that can like read past the BS that really care and not just like, well, we're going to throw this up and see how it plays. Like these people really, you know, it's weird to be in a time because of social media where all of us fans maybe, and I I don't want to offend any producers listening, might have thought about it 40 more, like 40 different ways than they have. Like every, you know, every Bravo Instagrammer or Twitter, you know, Bravo Twitter, they've gone down every pathway where sometimes I'll read shit and I'll be like, I, my mind didn't even go there. Mm -hmm. They're thinking, and I, you just hope that because everybody talks about like, oh, how do you, how do you say Vanderpump rules? And it's like, well, it begins and ends with casting. It begins and ends with interviewing people and seeing what they're, you know, seeing what the intricacies are and we, what we know from Noella or what we're, you know, is that she's Bronwyn's friend and Bronwyn was somebody that was equally trying to get on the show. And what I keep saying lately is it reminds me of Saturday Night Live auditions where every comedian mm. in a town, you know, Andy's Lauren Michaels, every comedian in a town is trying to audition for SNL. And now you got housewives buying houses, trying to get the part, trying to show them that they got the juice. And I think that's a really interesting because it didn't start off like that. Yeah. And I mean, just like with SNL, the focus is typically on the ensemble. But the difficulty with housewives is I think it's in many ways constructed to always have a breakout. And it's like what happens when you assume that you are the breakout star, but you don't necessarily know what that means because you're looking at the formula based on prior seasons that have happened with people who may or not may or may not still be on the show and maybe the reasons that they're not it's like the very thing that you're trying to create within yourself like the very thing you're trying to use as your costume for housewives might have been the thing that ended up getting that person fired there's no way for anyone to know that so with Noella I don't know part of the charm to her for me is that she seems to be heavily manufactured I don't believe the divorce stuff I think that there is something else there like the stuff that you know Emily has said in press that other people have said in press I do tend to believe that this is not the full story but also she's a necessary iconoclast so maybe she's winning this game who's to say she's not here for a while but she's probably here next season 
Oh, yeah. And by the way, and I want her. I mean, I almost love when they kind of settle in, you know, it's like just mm. like actors when you you see a, a theater, you know, a play and you're like, OK, he's settled in. They're doing the you know, they really kind of get into the material. And I will be really interested to see what further seasons with Noella Noella will hold. But two other examples is Leah McSweeney's first season of Housewives. Mm where she was just like off the cuff and you could say, oh, well, she was drinking. Yeah, she provided really crazy moments, but I think she just, she wasn't trying, or in my opinion, she wasn't trying to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. She was just literally being, I believe herself, and sometimes that was unhinged. What happens, and you know, you say the second season curse, but the second season, I think there was too much time for Leah to think about it, to think about who she was, to think about like all of these things. A good example of somebody that I thought did great but might not have been celebrated was uh, Crystal Minkoff. Crystal Minkoff's first season, you know, like she had her issue with Sutton, which by the end they showed that they could be friends, which I think is inspiring. Here's somebody that wasn't desperate. Here's somebody that wasn't throwing everything against the wall. And I'm kind of naturally intrigued to be like, I can't wait to see more of you. I can't wait to see what what stories that you have to tell. I loved meeting her family towards the end. Uh, I thought that was a really great example of a first season that kind of went under the radar, mm-hmm. but still did what it needed to do, you know? Yeah, and I think that there are also sweet spots when it comes to casting of people, housewives who people feel connected with, who feel of this earth, who feel humble in some way, <laughs> or like... Like, they understand that this is the land of excess, but may or may not be connected to their real life. And one of the greatest examples to that, to me, is Heather Gay, who is also now having quite an intense reunion cycle. I'm curious for your thoughts on what you think is happening there, and do you think that Heather and Whitney are being successful in their strategy to take down Barlow at all costs? You know, they're not being successful. I mean, what, what, unfortunately, and I, I hate to say this because I do like both of them, and I thought Heather had such a successful first season. Mm-hmm. And I really, actually, I didn't, I, I in, not enjoyed, but I was interested in watching her Mormon storyline this season. I thought, I found that that fascinating to me, to me personally. But when she gets to reunion, it's like all like, she just goes wild. Like within the first five minutes, she was already at Barlow. Right. And I think the same thing with Kim Kardashian. It's like, you just need to lay back and let 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 other people hang themselves. Let mm-hmm. other people do the work for you. If Lisa is good or bad, she will show us. You do not need to throw it out there with all of your evidence, all of that, because then it's just it gets weird and you start then rooting for Lisa Barlow. Like the political aspect of this is wild because you're like, you have it right here. It's handed to you. It is handed to you. You can walk away with this if you think about it like a game like Survivor and you're ruining it. Every, you, you're, you're seeming so desperate almost to be like, this is a bad person. You've got to see. And it's that therefore making you a bad person in some ways. That's such a good point. And it is one of those things of like watching the reunion so far. I'm like, oh man, I really feel for Barlow. Even when like Meredith's doing her like low key, honestly, designer resale, like <laughs> I am an attorney. I'm going to speak slowly. I'm going to take my time, which Andy was very into as was I to be honest but Meredith's building her case Andy was very <laughs> impressed Andy was very impressed she just kept saying she was like if as if she could not you know make her voice softer and more controlled here we are but um you know the points with bad weather just really made me feel for Lisa because I felt like she had cause to say these people are just after me. <laughs> yes. And the fact that Jen Shaw is coming out of this fucking reunion smelling like a goddamn rose shows you that this is kind of fucked. You know, and that's the funniest thing because I went into this season like every, like a lot of us did, right. where I'm like, Jen Shaw is the stupidest person in the world to do this show. Why would you ever do this right. show right now? Wow, stupid. And she's on such a wacky cast on such a wacky season that like, I mean, she assaulted Lisa Barlow on a Sprinter van at some point, And we're still kind of like, well, she's kind of funny. All these other people are wacky. Like, you know, she's, she's, she's a perfect example of laying back when you need to lay back and letting mm. other people hang themselves. And I'll tell you what, though, this is what makes good con artists. Guys, like whether you believe she's innocent or guilty, I mean, like allegedly we'll see that case being argued, which now I'm really fascinated to see the argument. <laughs> but you got to realize the things that she's accused of doing takes somebody that's really amazing at what they do, that's really smart, that's really like full of charisma, 
all of these things. Think about it. <laughs> you know, it's, so I think that it is interesting to see Jen do this. But I mean, hell, I even found myself today. She released merchandise and I was like, that's ballsy. Oh, she released. Oh, she released. Oh, and then there was like a, a satin bass, uh, like a baseball I jacket. About that I, it. I really want it. Oh, I was, I was kind of like, do I need that? Like, I was <laughs> like, how bizarre is that? I thought I was like, that kind of, do you think that would look good on a guy? Like, I was like. <laughs> I think it would. I absolutely posted it and was like, wait, I genuinely want this satin bomber. It's low key adorable. What is happening here? It's the absolute Bravo upside down. I don't know what to say. I'm not proud of myself, but like it is well done. I compare Salt Lake to a David Lynch movie this season. Like it's just like, I don't, I was like, you know, like certain points I felt like, was I dreaming? Did I wake up into this episode? Like there were so many things that happened that I was, just so confused about, and it seems to be continuing on in the reunion. And I, I got to tell you, Lisa Barlow, the first season, I was not a Lisa Barlow fan. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, uh, Whitney and Heather are are turning me into a Jen Shaw fan, and just the Jen worst Shaw thing that fan or Lisa Barlow. Sorry, fan? sorry, Lisa Barlow fan. Okay. Sorry, Lisa Barlow. Yeah. The the worst thing that could happen for uh, Heather and Whitney is for them to be called bad weather. It's like when you start leaning into your catchphrase, we saw it with Dorinda, you know, like clip or, you know, like when you start leaning too heavily into your own catchphrase, it's always, you know, you want to, you want to let us do that work for you. You don't need to call yourself bad, like bad weather starting. Yeah. And I don't, it's like there, this is the problem with reunion receipts is that you get so focused in the, I want to say that you're lying that they completely remove any sensitivity to a situation like Cameron's passing, asking questions of whether yeah, or not yes. he's on the board. That, <laughs> that proves that he had been invited for nefarious reasons, but it's like... Guys, a man died. A man died. A man died and he like had a connection to the foster care system. Is this really what we want to be fighting about right now? Like, this is the thing? It should be the end of it once you say that a man has died. But they're arguing. I mean, it's that's why the show is so wild. Like, mm-hmm. it is. I I wish I've watched these, these shows all my life, and I can't even make heads or tails of some of the things that I see. And it scares me that we have one more. It scares me that I have to watch another one on Sunday. I don't. I don't. I like. I'm like. Can I handle it? You know. Yeah, and it's also the thing about Salt Lake, and I don't know what to say about the reunion cycle. I actually am enjoying it, I think, more than a lot of people are. But it's not, It's I don't think it's, like, iconic, but I do, I am obsessed with all of Lisa Barlow's responses, so maybe yes. But the thing with Salt Lake is, like, the stakes should be insanely high. Like, they should be Erica <laughs> Jane high, if not higher, because yes. Erica was not actually charged. And yet they're not. Meanwhile... New Jersey is happening and the stakes on New Jersey to me are multifaceted, multi-layered and incredibly, incredibly high. You have allegations of cheating. This week we have rumors and gossip about allegations relating to domestic violence. You have family struggle. You have this person called me like a girl, little girl bitch or whatever the fuck it was. Like there's a there's a lot happening. There's some like not misogyny, but definitely gendered responsibility. There's avoidance. There's marital strife. There's I mean, trust. the first episode had Joey Gorga talking about jacking off a dog. Like, I mean, like right then and there, I don't, you don't remember remember his stand-up act? Wow, you must have, you must, that's, wow, that's like Vietnam for you. You blacked it out. You didn't even, (laughs) you didn't even, he was like, he was like, yeah, he was like, yo, I see my best friend, my dog over there. He can't, he he doesn't have opposable thumbs. I'm like, you want me to get that for you, buddy? And I'm like, did we just do a jet? Like, I was like, (laughs) watch out Dave Chappelle. We got Joey Gorga in the house. Like, Joey Gorga has a thing. Wouldn't it be crazy if, uh, I keep thinking that, wouldn't it be crazy if, Joey Gorga did not do gross uh, jokes. He was like, he was actually like a storyteller. He was like, actually like, guys, you know what it is about fame? Like he did like the hour of comedy that changed. Like you called your parents afterwards and go, I love you, dad. Like what if Joey Gorga did that? I feel like he kind of, not in the sense of being a storyteller, but he is able to communicate an effective narrative strategy, defense response. He just also inserts dick and fart jokes in there as all of the guys do on New Jersey but at the end of the day he is able to effectively communicate how he is feeling from an emotional perspective in a way that Teresa and also PS fucking Louie I don't think could do it's 
wild when you think of the fact that these were two people raised by two parents who have such diametrically different ways of responding, sometimes very similar, very guttural, very like, this is exactly how I feel. And so I'm going to act it out as a physical response. But Joe is also able to talk on an emotionally mature basis that Teresa just simply cannot or refuses to, which is interesting to see. I like seeing the guys talking about things that sort of matter, you know? No, I I totally agree with you, but I also think we're giving Joey Gorga uh, too much credit credit because Teresa just can't do it at all. Just because Joey Gorga can do it ten percent well doesn't mean we should celebrate. Like you know, we men we always have it easy. We're always celebrated for like really small shit, and we're Mm -hmm. always like, "But that's so classy," and he looks great in a tank top, and it's like so. But like the guys. The jersey has to watch out because the guys we're we're seeing like kind of the inner world of how guys work. It's mm-hmm. what Summerhouse and Southern Charm wishes they could do because we dance around Craig and Austin trying to be like dudes when they're trying to nail everything that's on a college campus. But like Jersey, you actually see the inner workings of a you know a man as they get older of like hey how you doing making jokes over here you know yo you know and then Bill went against the grain like yo you you know your wife you let her say bad stuff to me. You know, and like it's really kind of fascinating to watch, but we have to remember that these are shows about women. So if we want to have a show about men, let's have a show about men. But right now, I feel like the show about men is getting equal focus and is almost is almost a little more intriguing because Teresa is a brick wall now. And if you're going to be a brick wall, we don't need you. And I, I know this is going to get, get a lot of hate, but Ooh. we maybe don't need you on the show. Maybe we need a, like a, you know, Candy and the Gang spinoff, you know, because you're not willing to share your life anymore and louis knows exactly what he signed up for he's a living mood ring on his face and he knows you know two weeks ago he was purple last week he was red i mean this guy is a different color every week but he knew what he was walking into he knew we all knew we all knew everything about louis because of instagram bloggers and stuff like that so he did know but she needs to share that with us then Unfortunately, what do, you, what do you want her to share? Like the her actual responses to seeing the video, which she said she didn't, which we all know she probably did. Actually, she might not have. She might have honestly been like, this is a vendetta. Whatever this is, <laughs> isn't real. And it's not. And it's been edited. And he told me the truth, which is, of course, the exact opposite of what the video actually shows. And I want it to be a supportive partner. So I'm not going to look at it. Like what what do you think comes out of this? Well, I mean, uh if you saw Teresa on Ultimate Girls Trip, we saw that Louis gave her a card every day, just right. like very Brooks and Vicky Gunvalson very to fill up their love Brooks. tank. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a big red flag for me. Now, I will say also, I saw, you know, every time I see Louis, he does say something that I'm kind of like, oh, okay. Like, like he was like, Teresa, listen, listen to your brother. Just listen. Just listen. Mm-hmm. You just got to listen. You got to, you know, telling her to listen, which is an encouraging thing. You know, it's telling you to open your ears. But we have all of this proof and this evidence of him doing the same pattern of behavior with all of these women. So even I get confused sometimes because he's done it to all of these other women. And then in my head, I'm like, well, maybe she's the right woman for him. And, you know, he seems so into like self-care. But I will say what really disturbed me about him was that that explanation to Margaret about the men's retreat of like, I was with the woman who was not a good woman. And I did not, I had to tell, I had to be brave enough to tell her I did not want to marry her. And the video evidence says, I would like to marry you and come home with you if that is okay with you. And we're being gaslit. Like it's like completely gaslit by this guy. But Teresa, there's just no there there anymore sometimes I feel. Yeah, and I think Teresa, you know, coming out of her marriage is almost a little bit entranced by what some of us perceive as toxic positivity of like, I care about feelings and I have them and I'm in control. At the end of the day, Louis' positivity and introspection to me is less about forward movement on an emotional vulnerability maturity level and more about control. He is trying his best to keep himself under control. And so he is thoughtful and or precise in a way that to me is less connected with a genuine like spiritual or emotional journey <laughs> and more connected with what the, what he even told us the purpose of these fucking retreats uh the purpose of the retreat was which is to like reverse the anger essentially that you have on your partner against yourself which is 
concerning to me. And it's also concerning. It's like, where do we draw the line with the scenes that we've seen this week? You know, there have been conversations about Jen's scene with her daughter. There are conversations about Margaret's scene with her mom. But it's also just the idea of like, at the end of the day, is there going to be the possibility to have a discussion where people don't feel like they also have to emotionally arm themselves. I don't know. Or is the purpose of the show that it's not possible? Like we're what we're watching is a continued fallout of that. Well, I think that's the pivot of Housewives in general. What we, mm. you know, the Housewives, I think, which are amazing is that you always get that nugget of truth, that all, that thing that you can hang on to or that you've been experiencing in your own life. And you're mm. like, wow, that's almost worth all of this craziness, which I also love. But there's always that kind of ultimate truth of falling out of love with your partner or uh, my husband cheated on me, this or that. Everybody's gone through these kind of basic things. So I feel like those that real spot gives it a lot of allowance to then kind of go off the rail. But Jersey's a really weird thing because it's been on so long, and I think OC suffers from this as well, where we're now, it's it's like a Godfather saga. It's like it goes so deep. It goes so, like, we always will remember the christening episode. We will always remember Joey Gorga's pain about his father and Joey, Joe Giudici. Like, we saw these, we saw Tree's girls grow up. Like, we, we've seen this now. It adds this level of intensity that... Sometimes it makes you then refresh to go to Real Housewives of Miami on Peacock mm. and go, okay, this is it. Like We're dealing with really serious stuff still. New faces, some old faces, two-part reunion, perfect. I don't have to like wait two more weeks mm. to like, it's not like a four-week, you know. There's perfect. something beautiful about the Real Housewives franchise that I think Miami is seeing right now. But in the other, like Jersey, we're so entrenched in the past. Yeah, it's a good point. And yet, I feel like Orange County feels pretty light this season, which I'm really enjoying. And with New Jersey, I am thoroughly partaking, consuming, enjoying, discussing what is happening because there is still a lot of emotional human connectivity, even if it's coming through the lens of anger or rage, like that scene that I don't know that we've seen before and will see again of two women, Dolores and Jen, talking and saying, listen, we were both cheated on while nine months pregnant and we took different paths after that. And there's a reckoning that's happening where one of the women literally, like I wrote it as a note to myself that I absolutely can't access because that would be too great, where Jen says, what happens if people, if a person changes their mind about moving on, which is so powerful and essentially unanswerable. Like the answer to it is, are you willing to do the active work of acknowledging that you maybe want to change your mind or maybe never believed that thing that you did so feverishly a decade ago because you wanted to keep your marriage calm? Like that is, I, I don't know who couldn't, find a connective, a connection, a feeling of empathy for a woman in that moment who's thinking to herself like, wow, maybe I am allowed to feel mad, angry, sad about my husband cheating on me at the absolute most physically and emotionally vulnerable time that a woman could have. Like she's literally preparing her body to give birth and her husband at that most delicate time is cheating on her. And then she has to be in the position to take responsibility for deciding to move on. Like, I'm curious for your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, what a, what a mind, what a mind fuck first off, mm. you know, and, and that scene. And then also the scene with Dolores and her parents this week where yeah. she had to break it to him with about, I'm not oh, with David anymore. God. And the first reaction is, oh, oh, that's not good. Mm. that's he was like family he was treated this family so good he treated, and i thought it was such this amazing moment mm. of a woman saying yo like doesn't my happiness like doesn't my wants and need me you know, like we can all agree he's a good guy like she says we can all agree he's a good guy he cares and like i thought it was such a fascinating question of okay but what happens when that's enough that's not mm. enough what happens when i do want to grow old with somebody what happens when i do want to binge watch a show with and i have somebody that wants to work 18 hour days mm -hmm. i'm getting into you know different stages of my life 
am I allowed to want something different? Am I not allowed to want something different because I'm a woman? Because you think he's a protector? Like, you know, and this is somebody that's on TV that I'm assuming makes a decent paycheck and her parents are like, oh, Dolores. Oh, there was almost this at, at beginning. At, by the end, they were like proud of her and stuff. But at the beginning, I was like, are they going to give this this woman that actually made this very educated choice based on her feelings guff about this? They, to me, that was like eye-opening but also we can relate to that, right? We tell our parents hard things too. I remember telling about my divorce to my parents and having to break that to them and how hard I was so scared and how hard, you know, or, or bringing it to my sister who's very religious and saying, well, God doesn't want this. God doesn't want it. She said that to you? She did. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really hard. I will always remember that. And, uh, so you see those things, but that's what I love about the housewives is we can laugh and we can be silly about all these things, but there's still this kind of ultimate truth that it still does. The camera does by some kind of weird kind of magic pickup on these really mo these real moments that we, we, we can really relate to. And I, I don't, I, I don't really think I'm being too sappy about it. I really, I really do relate to something in all of these shows at some point, you know? Yeah, I mean, I actually was thinking about you knowing that we were recording today when I was rewatching New Jersey because I was honestly curious about your thoughts really about the Jen and Bill situation without knowing the details of your divorce, just knowing that we've talked about your divorce and, and um, previous marriage on prior eps of AG as well as your show, which I highly encourage that people listen to. But I was curious for your thoughts on that because I think it's, a, uh, you know, like what do you do – when you realize you don't necessarily trust yourself, which might be a little bit of a curve and it might not be entirely appropriate when it comes to Jen. But like, I think of it a little with Jen in the sense of like, she didn't necessarily trust her own worth or she was told that her worth was secondary to making sure her husband felt comfortable or her job and goals to keep the family together from a cultural perspective just from a that's what it brings up the cultural perspective. perspective yeah it's a different you also have to bring that into it too right. she talked about like well our our, our you know our people are going to look down on bill now what about you like what about you like they're going to look down on bill they're going to disrespect bill well like bill disrespected you but because of the culture because of the culture she was raised in i found that really fascinating and something very foreign to me uh, because luckily, um, and this is just like a white straight male would be, you know, I have grown up with such privilege and I don't mean in wealth. I, I was middle class my entire life, but I do mean the other privileges of, you know, if a marriage wasn't working out, I am able to walk away with that with just, mm -hmm. we hurt each other. I wasn't hurting a community. I wasn't hurting, uh, well, and the way, the way us Irish Catholics do it is, you know, like that's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. so it is interesting. You add that layer to it and you're like, that to me is fascinating as well because she is dealing with so many other people's thoughts and feelings that her own feelings are secondary. Her own feelings, not only are they secondary, but they shouldn't exist to begin with. Like the pressure that she is under, even when on the after show, she's talking about how everyone else is wrong and it doesn't, she doesn't give a shit what anybody else thinks. And like, that's all fine and good, but we're watching these scenes where she's acknowledging, and I say this without judgment, the enormous pressure that she's under. And yet at the end of the episode, or conversely at the end of the episode, Bill is given a modicum of pressure in the sense of Evan being like, yeah, your wife wasn't just curious. <laughs> she was quite literally trying to harm my marriage and family. And Bill just absolutely immediately leaves. And it's kind of interesting when you watch and think of the burden of stuff that Jen is carrying of things that she herself did that she needs to take responsibility for or not and also the burden of the shame that she has attached to this big heavy secret she couldn't even tell her close family and friends and then you look at Bill who's just dead silent when shit happens he's like left his body <laughs> is, a, is a bad friend to his friend Joe is a bad partner to his wife Jen but there's sort of no way for him to win and yet he loses doubly as much by being quiet and then in the last scene he's like well i'm trying to say some bullshit and they're not going for it so i'm just gonna walk out and it's it is a little bit of a window into like not to take it to this level but why not like the things that guys are able to do that women especially a woman whose job it is to you know be on this show and in some ways carry the show what they have to 
kind of go through and endure. Like there's a symbolism here that I think is really kind of interesting. Male friendships can sometimes be so simplistic. All they want to do is just drink some shots and pat each other on the back. And maybe a little homoerotic, who knows, you know? Like, But just like the camaraderie of saying stupid jokes, of not taking feelings too seriously, of not, you know, there's all this shit that like, you know, Iron John about men. And you get to see that in effect here. But I find it interesting that, you know, there is this whole other level, this dark level where, you know, you see Bill in the shadows of having to face what he did all of this time ago. But isn't that always the case with guys is that sometimes we just, we learn lessons in the hardest way because our thing is usually, I don't really believe that people are evil, but I also believe that guys don't want to cause pain. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that causes double pain. Mm -hmm because they're just trying to cover up for the stupid shit their urges had them do. And then now you see Bill having to face it 10 years later. And like you said, doubly be punished for it in certain ways with the guy group, with Jennifer. And this is where the real lesson is. Like, this is where you really hope he is listening to what the universe, you know, cause I've done things where I thought I was protecting somebody's feelings. And in the, in the end it was like, no, you just ended up, I ended up doubly hurting me. You know, and, but no, not to make myself a victim in that kind of sense. But you know what I'm saying? It's like you you learn the lesson the hard way. And I believe, unfortunately, uh, sorry to all the men listening. Sometimes we really it's not just an old, you know, we do have thick skulls. We do. We don't learn lessons easy. Like it takes a long time to actually to be brave, to learn to do what you're supposed to do, to learn, you know, it's it's really fascinating to me. And that's why those scenes are great. But I sometimes wonder, like, but I also want to make sure we highlight the women's perspective because that's what Housewives is. Do you think that Bill has learned what what lessons do you think Bill has learned? Even I'm scared, reason? Sarah. I'm, yeah. I'm well, what's what, what, I, what I'm scared about is that. You know, I was talking about this on the podcast this week, how we sex like, you know, we see this, you know, gentleman Zelensky, you know, doing this amazing job. What a hero. And immediately you go on Twitter, you're like, I'd love to blow that dude. That guy is sexy as hell. Yes. Like, you know, one guy does like a really good thing. You sexualize him immediately. And what scares me is we do the same thing with men housewives, right? We're like, oh, fuck. Is, hey, am I crazy? Is Bill Aiden hot? Like, you know, we started like, hey, Shane, I think Shane Simpson's all of a sudden looking good to me because he was nice to Emily this episode. And I find it very interesting how we just kind of give that away and we immediately turn it to those. So what scares me, though, is that we did that so much with Bill. It's like I do now question because I never thought Bill was a cheater. Now I question, oh, shit, has he done this a lot? And has he has it gotten even worse? Like one of the things in Ultimate Girls Trip, um, they were talking about Mauricio and Kyle said, Mauricio doesn't even know how to work Instagram. I'm like, yeah, he does. He knows. <laughs> She's like, I'll pick up his phone. There's tons of boob pics on there. He's like, he knows. He knows how to, Aww. like, you know, it's like, he knows. I mean, like, I'm not saying that makes him a, a cheater or something like that, but, you know, it's always the easiest then to go to the lowest, like, well, men are fucking idiots. <laughs> you know, like, that's the, hey, Mauricio doesn't know how to operate a phone. Like, that's always the easiest way to explain it because the truth of that would be harder. Yeah, and I wonder, this has, like, got me thinking a, a bunch of stuff, all of which is slightly insane, but when it comes to, like, the rumors that Jen spread about uh, Evan, like, or, or the rumors that she heard about that she was trying to find more information about, there is something to be said for the fact that, obviously, it's harmful to their marriage. It adds a lot of stress. There are kids involved in everything else. But, like, in the case of Evan there is a way to look at it to be like because he's sort of lusted after this is a possibility which doesn't help Jackie in any way that doesn't help when you hear these things said about your husband publicly and then this is going to be a storyline this like ruse of a rumors of an affair or something else but it is also interesting that if you think about Evan's perspective or even what Jen's doing, like, of course, where there's, you know, smoke, there's fire. There is an element there. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to encapsulate it, if that makes any sense. There's just like an element there of this man is seen as, is being sexualized, is seen as being like worthy of other women's attention that doesn't necessarily happen with women. Like, the wives yes. of those yeah, people yeah, yeah, or yes, the yes. ways that women would be looked at in those cases where it's, well, you're a slut or you're whatever the 
language is, the reputation, the stakes, it's still for guys seen as terrible for their marriage, trouble for their family, <laughs> but also like yeah. something to be desired. Yeah, it's interesting because like, you know, we're hearing a lot of stuff about Evan too, of like, wow, he really went after Bill all of a sudden. You know, like we're hearing things of like Frank Catania says there what, you know, like we heard this and this, and Evan's like, you better shut the F up, Bill. Like you get the F out of it. You're like, I'm throwing it down right now. You know, Evan's really passionate. But what's hard about that is that we, and, and I, I'm myself like this, is that I like to paint the world in good and bad. Mm. And what's scarier to realize is that the life is, that the world is gray. You know, it's not black and white. There's so much gray area that we can see Evan like, this can be the same person, you guys. Evan can seriously be there and care that his wife has an ED issue that can sit there and go, I'm so proud of you, honey. I want you to talk this out. I want, you know, be there and really be in it. Mm -hmm. But he also possibly could have cheated. And those two things sure. can be true at of the same course. time. But I think it makes it easier for us as a society to say it's black and white, evil or bad. You're bad or you're, bad or you're good. Well, I mean, that also gets into the question of marriage, of when you stay in a marriage after infidelity or any kind of loss of trust or respect. Like, it's easy to say, I would walk away in that situation. But what if that isn't the entirety of your spouse's character? Like, you you have the right and ability and should have the right to make the decision to try to work it through. But the problem is if you don't work it through and you just continue on like what is the loss there and when it comes to black and white versus gray I actually thought that Evan in that final scene with Bill was working in the land of gray he just was holding Bill accountable Bill was trying to say some bullshit about how <laughs> Jen's a good person and she wasn't meaning anything nefarious and it's quite obvious to literally everyone including Jen that she was up to some no good and Evan was like that's bullshit like he's he does he does also say like she's a bad person or whatever but like <laughs> he, he's like that's not true what you're saying to me you think that you can just do these one-offs because you're with the guys and you think it's a safe space to be a fucking liar and what i'm telling you right now is it it's not what would have been more black and white to me almost would have been evan just eating it and like not saying anything but evan was like yeah cool we're actually not gonna go that way i'm not gonna sit here and allow you to gaslight everyone's favorite word my experiences especially when your wife has not said i'm sorry to me so not only has she not taken responsibility with me personally but now we're pretending that what happened wasn't real and i do think that's an example of gray that i thought was effective and necessary well you know what's funny about that scene too and this is a little off off uh, topic well no no it's on the topic but uh, Tiki Barber, Tiki Barber, yes. the new house husband. Oh now, Tiki God. Barber, if you know that Dead history, he left. He left his eight months pregnant. pregnant you, if with you go, wife. if you can go back and watch those scenes, you see. I swear to God, I'm Terror. not making this up. You see the realization of like, mm -hmm. what did I sign up for? This <laughs> is going to come to me eventually. Like, and luckily, his wife's not really making a lot of waves on this show, mm -hmm. so we're not really going in on him yet. But mm -hmm. it, one day it will come, and he is like, Tiki's literally like. What the? I told my wife I just wanted her to bring in some money. I didn't know it was going to, like, he's sitting there and, like, Frank and Tan, like, hey, hey, you know, it's hysterical to watch this guy in scenes now because he's realizing that, like, wait, I thought it was just the wives. They, they talk about what the guys do, too? Like, he's he looks scared. I would love to see, genuinely, no, I'm not, like, fucking with you. I would love to see a scene of Tiki talking with Bill. It will never happen, but maybe we'll see it next week. Or Tiki talking to Tracy and having a conversation and threading that needle because it couldn't have been more public. It was the cover <laughs> of the New York Post seemingly every day. He lost work from it. You could argue he lost his yes! career over it. Yes. He was doing well for himself after retiring, and it all went away because of the question of morality and the question of, you know, moral character. It was a very big gossip tabloid story that did not seem to go away for a while. And he's now in a very specific small bubble kind of world that does also get a lot of attention. I would be curious as to his thoughts now that he's had some distance and maybe, you know, Th thought about it from a different perspective maybe while watching this other story play out it would be really fascinating i mean it would be i just think the human nature is to cover up and not face mm. 
and you know what we're seeing right now i'll be very curious to see how the season ends even though i think they just they're about to film the reunion which means we might be close to a very shortened season um but I mean, these are questions to me. That's like what's really intriguing about Jersey is that it's not your typical housewives show anymore. Like now it is a family show. It is these things, but it's also facing on these really big issues that I think a lot of us have dealt with. And it's really scary to watch. And it's, it's, you know, I'm very curious to see where we end up with Jennifer and Bill, because it seems like, you know, Jennifer's going to try to point out everybody else except for the the calls coming from inside the house, Jennifer, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I wonder, you know, I posited this on a new Patreon episode with Damien Bellino that just went up. Um, we talked about, you know, the comparisons between the Housewives of New Jersey and the second season of Love is Blind. <laughs> I, I, wonder with, I wonder with Jen a little bit of where her brain was when she was, I talked about this more in detail on the Patreon, but it sort of occurred to me while we were having this discussion that, you know, there are areas of a subconscious that has to be at work in work when she's doing these things because they are so perfectly aligned with the biggest secret that we know of that she didn't want anyone to know that she refused to tell. And I wonder with Jen, when she's doing that subconscious work, like how much of it as an act of distraction was it to focus on these rumors not just because if people are looking here, they're not ever going to think about looking there, but also because maybe she thought it was safe in the sense that the Bill stuff was real, but my guess is she probably always knew the Evan stuff was not. And like the way that she almost had to maybe gamble or strategize or pacify herself in her in her own mind, in her head with that, or maybe didn't understand it or acknowledge it, and this could all be entirely wrong, but there's like a, a form of offense play, <laughs> presenting football, but there's like a defensiveness that you could take in thinking about why she did that, knowing about what we know about Bill's affair from a decade ago. And there's also the idea that like, I think something else was going on there. Like, how much of it was trying to punish Evan because she couldn't punish Bill? How much of it was trying to distract the cast from this thing over here? How much of it was trying to hold on to any sense of power that she had because the game of power in Housewives is very different from the game of power in your potential relationship or marriage? Like, I think there was a lot going on. And with Jen, I just don't know that she's able to have the space to really reflect on that. Like, I don't know that she has the capacity. Maybe that's why she gets, and this isn't an insult. Maybe that's why she gets along with Teresa because it's always going to be superficial. Maybe that's why she's not able to have the kind of relationships that Marge and Melissa and Jackie seem to have. Like maybe that's why she gets along. Dolores is kind of the bridge, but like maybe there's an air there where she feels safety in that because Teresa's never going to ask her the questions that the other women are. You know, well, I mean, listen, there's a part of me that wonders why she even like, because if you watch that first episode, it wasn't like Mar, like it wasn't like Marge's question. It wasn't like, you know, a few good men of like, you can't handle the truth. Like it was like she came out with it. I was like, did she do this to distract from that nose? Like, did she distract that from that? Like, no, I, I'm not joking. I'm like, she had a Vicky Gunvalson moment where Vicky yeah. came back before her face lifted settled. I'm like, like, why? Like Marge's Margaret's questioning was no different than it has been other seasons. Why now? It wasn't like, oh, wow, wow, Margaret got that out of her. It was almost like, I question why it came out when it did. I question that because we've seen Margaret go harder on Jennifer Aiden, and now this is what does it? And you could even tell, like, I think it was real because it looked like Margaret was surprised that she finally got an admission out of her. Uh, Can you, I'm I'm not totally tracking this. Say this again. Okay, so what I'm saying is, you know, the first episode of the season, Jennifer uh-huh. Aiden comes out with the right. fact that it is true, but it right. wasn't, it was a rep. It wasn't somebody that worked Office there, manager, you idiot. Right. We've heard this rumor before, right. right? We've heard this rumor before. Why in that first episode did Jen find, Jen's one of the stronger cast members, really one of the point. people. Why, why all of a sudden did she come out with it? It wasn't like Margaret was questioning her any deeper or more right. intense that's than she has in other point. seasons. Like, that's what I question is that like, I feel, and and I hate to be a conspiratorial because I really only like my conspiracies in Bravo, um, not in QAnon, but mm-hmm. but I do question of like, was this something that Jen said 
if all else fails, I'll come out with this. If all else, you know, at the end of the day, I have this in my back pocket. We do know Jennifer Aiden is one of those people that really campaigned to be on Housewives. She bought her house that she lives in now just so she could look better on the Housewives. I do question, because I just don't think that Margaret, in that moment, Jennifer was so good and so conditioned at dealing with these ladies. That was the moment that got it out of you? You know what? I totally disagree with you, but I love this conversation. I don't think that Jennifer, I think she was probably exhausted. When you have been carrying the weight and the shame of this thing for a decade, sometimes it's like the needle in the haystack. Like you wouldn't know it's there, but it is there and it is painful AF. And she might've just felt like, let me just release it. Like I love that. I in love this that. moment, I'm just going to release it because why am I holding on to this anymore? And maybe if I finally say it, it will go away, which like when has that ever been the case? But like, I think that there is some element of the fact that if we are to believe her at her word, which I do, that she really didn't talk about this with anyone, I think that she was always carrying the baggage. She was carrying it on behalf of her marriage. Her husband expressed no interest in helping support in any way the baggage that he gave to her as a special baby gift, you know? What I'm curious about, though, is what she feels now about it. Does yeah. she regret that moment? Does she regret mm, that slip up? Or question. was that slip up a gift? Was that slip up? It made us so much stronger. I finally got to get all of this out. I got so many people rallying around me. I would love to know what she feels about it now, having lived through this season that we are still watching. I, I think that's an awesome question, honestly, Ryan, and I would love to hear her answer. And listen, I'd love for you to come back. This is so much fun. Oh, well, by the way, you're going to come back. You're going to come back on our, my show next yeah. week so we can continue this oh deep God, conversation. I like this because it's mine's a podcast is usually a Joey Gorga fart joke <laughs> podcast. I get to talk deeper uh, feelings and theories with you. So I can't wait to come. I can't wait to keep this going next week on my podcast. Um, love it. I'm so excited. I love a pod swap. And you guys need to subscribe to Ryan's pod because um, every episode is a delight. But I always love guesting. And there are a ton of episodes of us together on your yeah, on this one. I think and like, on that one. Yeah. In yeah. Tons of, yeah. Um, yeah. So, Ryan, tell the people, where can they follow you on social? Tell them a little backstory about the pod. Uh, my podcast is called Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino. And um, it's on the something. Book. <laughs> <laughs> I have a book out this week. It's very exciting. I didn't really want to know. It's called So Bad It's Good. Uh, I release like four to five episodes a week. There's a Patreon. There's an Instagram where I just do silly memes. The whole thing is there. It's a family at this point. And, and uh, you know, I do the same thing that Sarah does. Sarah just does it more eloquently. Um, but we, you know, we talk about pop culture on Mondays with Sophie Ross as my co-host. We usually have, like this week, I had a two and a half interview, hour interview with Tom Sandoval. Like I went to Tom and Ariana's house and he oh showed me around God. his, I mean, it was one of the most familiar episodes. Like it was one of the episodes that was kind of in my bucket list, even though like it's interesting to hear people's opinions on Tom. But I think if you listen to this, it would just be, we get to talk about Kristen and Jackson drive wow. the movie. We get to talk about so many, we talk about so many things. I had uh, Maya Allen from summer house on, on uh, yesterday. So there's something for everybody, but like, yeah, just search Sarah's name. Start there. If you, if you're interested, but also I get the podcasts are very personal. So what's cool is that there's something literally on podcasting for everybody. The point is just listen to something like, let's keep yeah. this going. This is the coolest art form that I've ever been involved in, you know? I mean, couldn't agree with you more. And speaking of until tonight, things, until tonight, <laughs> it's the series finale of podcasting yeah. here at AGHQ. Speaking of keeping things going, you guys, Andy's Girls Live, the 300th episode celebration. Wait, is Evan Ross Katz really going to be there? Is that is, that, Evan, is that really your Evan Ross Katz, the Doris Kearns Goodwin? That's of huge. Will be next. Uh, Doris, I Doris Kearns, I love Doris Kearns. <laughs> oh, I love Doris Kearns. Actually, one of my favorite authors. Oh, anyways, but She's Evan incredible. Ross Katz is I mean, a genius. A Bravo, is a genius. A, a true genius. A true Bravo historian um, will be with me on stage co-hosting. It's going to be Saturday, March 26th at Club Coming here in New York City. Tickets are $20 in advance, $25 at the door. We are highly encouraging advanced tickets. Well, you sold out last time, so... And we sold out last time, so we are highly encouraging that people buy tickets uh, in advance. A link in show notes. It's andysgirls.eventbrite.com. And my birthday is at midnight that night. 
so well now it's getting weird now it's I like mean... now you're just it feels like you're wanting gifts now <laughs> people are gonna have to bring I gifts mean, i wouldn't be against it I, and by I, the way I, I don't mind if you i don't mind if you tease we've talked about doing a live show in los angeles me yeah. and you together yeah, yeah, so I well, I hope that that will happen. But guys, the way but go to, to make, this show, right? The way to make more live shows happen, including a fabulous collab with you and I, is to go to AG three hundred. It's the best way to support the future of live events happening and also the future of the pod. Um, so I would really appreciate it if you're in the New York City or if you're not, hop on a flight. You know what I'm saying? Travel's back. Everything's great. We're all vaccinated. <laughs> and speaking of all things fabulous, a new episode on the Andy Scrolls Patreon with Damien Bellino, OG of the EG, 45-minute bonus episodes. We talk about Real Housewives of New Jersey. We talk a little bit about Miami. We talk about Love is Blind and so much more. So much more. So, I mean, I am a little so much more <laughs> patreon.com slash uh, Andy's girls for all that and more we didn't have a chance to do small business lady satchels guys so look for those on the next episode can't wait to highlight more um, women owned and operated small businesses because Ryan I don't know if you know but this month is women appreciation history month for women stuff it's every month it's every month for me Sarah wow and yeah. here we are swiping right for that <laughs> there we go um, Follow me on Instagram if you don't already. And uh, what is it? At Dame Kelly. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sarah, I don't, I'm not you. I don't know. The, you oh. looked at me like I was a producer. I was like, where, <laughs> I, was like, where I thought my... I was like, am I in trouble? Like, Where's my producer? Yeah. Um, uh, and this was a delight. Thank you so much for coming on. It's TV. always You're a delight. So great. Yes. You're so great. Thank you so much for even inviting me on. Uh, you have one of the best listenerships out there for real. Like you have, I know it's funny. You have the smartest listenership oh, because 100%, 100%. no, like I honestly, no, I because know. people always like, it is the deepest conversation. Yours gives me chuckles. Like they'll be like, yours is fun. <laughs> Yours is fun. Sarah goes deep. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, I get satchels of gold, listener thoughts and feels, questions and concerns, which you can DM to me on Instagram at Dame Galley. You can email me, show at gmail.com. And I'm doing a Patreon episode this weekend talking about, I think, like maybe 10 satchels that I've gotten this week about Shannon, about Salt Lake City, about... I think Heather Dubrow, uh, New Jersey, a bunch of stuff. So um, stay tuned for that episode. And that's all thanks to the AGs out there. You are not, are you taking, I thought you were taking a photo just now. I was like, we're not. I was. That. I look like shit. Okay. It's all right. I'm not going <laughs> to post, not, I'm not gonna post not, it. Okay, I'm not going to post it. Um, on that note, guys, I hope you are all hanging in there and um, that this was a little bit of a break for you because um, it definitely felt like one for myself. Uh, we will talk to you later, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you.